entire Jungle Podcast is raw, it's real, it has zero gimmicks, zero bullshit, and absolutely zero fucks to give. Welcome to the Iron Jungle. This is real, no bullshit, no holds barred, wide fucking open podcast. We've been at this far too long to be fucking around. This is the jungle. Where anything goes, no holds barred. We're going to be talking about the real shit. How to succeed. In a world where you have goals, but there's so much misinformation and bullshit trying to sell you something. This is the informative podcast. And there's no hold by the jungle. The question is, are you ready? Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the iron jungle. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the iron jungle podcast. It is a fucking crazy time of year as we are rounding out 2020, it's absolutely nuts, Drew. We've been doing this for a while now, which is cool. Um, and each week, people seem to be loving what we're talking about. And today's topic is going to be no different. It's going to get people going. People are going to be shaking their head. Yes, we might piss a few people off, but that is, that's exactly the type of emotion we want to evoke with the Iron Jungle podcast. We don't hold shit back, Drew. We tell it how it is, my man. That's how it always is and how it always will be. The whole point of this podcast isn't to talk about bullshit that everybody else does. Like, oh, what's the best creatine? What's the best protein? No, like, it's a fuck. What do you mean? What's what's the best? You Jim doesn't make the best creatine? I thought for sure that was a fact. It's everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, maybe this is the episode you should do the entire episode in Jim's voice. I think, I mean, people have been asking for it. And, and today's topic is fuck your fitness myths because there are – so many myths in this industry, and we probably, we won't get to all of them today. I mean, we have a half hour. We're just going to – there's several that we've laid out prior. We probably won't even get to half of those. We might think of ones as we're talking, and we're just going to shoot at the hip. Um, and uh, I want to start – we'll dive right into it right away. And I'm going to start with this one because when I took this supplement back in high school, people looked at me like I was taking methamphetamines, like I was taking drugs. I was taking steroids. I was taking Joe Weider's creatine capsules back in high school because your boy wanted to get big. People assumed I was taking drugs. Drew, creatine, you know a little bit about creatine monohydrate. Is it, is it a steroid? Uh, yeah, bro. Ask anybody on the forums ever or somebody at the gym that doesn't know anything about supplements. Of yeah. course it's a steroid. To start with that, it's just, I'm going to shoot each one of these like theoretically in the fucking face because I don't know how they still exist. I mean, there's the most thoroughly researched supplement of all time, aside from maybe whey protein in this day and age, maybe being alanine. But creatine, all starting first and foremost, it's an acid-occurring amino acid. It's found in the meats you eat, it's naturally occurring in a diet, and you're simply consuming a concentrated source of it when you ingest creatine. Just like whatever reason people say, oh, whey protein isn't isn't real food. I'm like, it comes from fucking milk. It's right. a real food. It's just extracting, concentrating the whey at the protein content from milk-based products, filtering out the lactose, so on and so forth. So with creatine, here's the thing. I, a very direct example of this. When I worked in a very brief time as a GNC manager, I ran two stores, franchises. Um, you know, of course, you know, the moms come in looking for creatine for their son for football. Classic mm -hmm. case scenario. Or I had this one time he was in a coach came in. And I tell them, oh, what, what is something for my son that, that I'm, oh, well, the basic thing that he could use to be really good for him is especially that is creatine. Like, oh, well, that's either A, I got, it's a steroid. It causes kidney damage, it causes cramping, causes dehydration, it causes compartment syndrome, um, all of these things above there. Right. And I literally had just finished this major project because I thought it was a good topic and it was ironic about literally all these things that creatine has been reported or refuted to do and all of these years unfairly yeah. i literally have three to four research studies for each one of them i can just pull out and say boom this this proves that myth about creatine three to four studies a piece over every single one of those one is creatine is not a steroid because it's not this fucking basic 
chemistry. It's not mm -hmm. a steroid. Yeah. But the myths of it, actually, it's interesting. It actually has the opposite effect. It can actually help prevent cramping. It can help actually heal um, issues with the brain from people having concussions or head trauma. It actually prevents neurological decline. Your grandmother should take fucking creatine. It yeah. can help with her brain health. So it's fascinating people just get these assumptions. And yes, there are, are things. If you have a pre-existing kidney condition or dehydration to begin with, it can amplify the problem. But inherently in itself, it does not cause these things. Not to mention that, I mean, there was already, when it first came out, on top of like all these myths about what it does or does not do, it's like, okay, well, you need to take it with cranberry or grape juice. It has to be taken directly post workout. And there was a lot of, a lot of stuff thrown around saying this is like the proper way to take it. You and I have both told people, people ask all the time, like, what, what time of day should I take creatine? And is there a loading phase? And all this stuff that, you know, was, was out there when it first came out. Literally, just take fucking creatine every single day. It doesn't matter if you're taking that in the morning, at night. Like, just take it every day. It's a saturation point. Now, this whole, what is, potentially a myth now is like five grams per day is, is the dosage. Well, that's, I wouldn't say it's a myth, but it, it's a good rule of thumb, but that's not, that's not accurate. And I think, Drew, you might even know better, but based on per pound of body weight is how much creatine you're supposed to be taking per day, correct? Like somebody like you should be taking more than five grams per day, me as well. Um, but I think five grams kind of came from just studies that they did and it's sort of like an, a law of averages of sorts. I mean, once again, I don't think you can go wrong. I generally would anywhere from a minimum of two up to five is an average area there. You don't have to consume it all at once. It all depends on how much creatine you're pleading, so on and so forth. And you're not obviously going to have the same energy needs as the next person. Right. You know, but it be body weight, whether your body is, your physiology is. There's not one 100% set in stone dead answer. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, just take it when it's convenient for you that you remember to take it daily. Consistency is key yeah. over the timing of it. Take a reputable source. I mean, you can't grow on creatine monohydrate. It doesn't blow you, cause all that bullshit. If you get issues like, oh, I got put on a ton of water or whatever from creatine monohydrate, it's probably because it was combined with a bunch of bullshit sugars or carbohydrates that don't need to be in with it. You don't necessarily have to have sugar for, it's for absorption or the uptake. Take it by itself, you'll be fine. Okay? Yeah. So. Again, and also, too, it may have you gain a little bit of weight, and that's fine. This is intracellular water in your muscle. You're going to look bigger, look fuller. It's not going to make you, quote, unquote, fat. If you had abs before you start taking creatine, you're not going to lose your fucking abs if you start taking creatine. So yeah, if you lost your abs from taking creatine, it's because you're also eating a bunch of other – you're eating like an asshole, as my friend Drew Peters would, would say. Um, all right, dude, this is a prevalent topic today because everybody's losing their shit about this Netflix documentary, this Game Changers documentary from James Cameron, who um, – little newsflash for people out there. James Cameron is an investor in a plant-based company, so watch that with – uh, with knowing that, but you you mentioned like several different fad diets being superior. I think right now the biggest one is like vegan diet is superior. If you are on a vegan diet, you are going to live longer. You are healthier being on a vegan diet, not eating red meat. Fucking myth. <laughs> the thing is, none of this shit has been proven ever. There's sides from both sides of coin. Whether it be mm -hmm. oh X here, let's let's take a step back farther. That could be a whole episode itself. There is no one diet, in my opinion, that is superior, okay? Mm -mm, right. Whether it be fat loss or long-term health, so on and so forth. There's general parameters, I think, that need to be followed to get the best possible result that I think you have the most effective results. But in terms of, oh, the best way to lose fat is keto. The best way to lose fat is paleo. The best right. way to eat in general is veganism. The best way to do this, this. There's not a one-size-fits-all answer for everybody because different people with different goals will respond to different diets and be on different body types. There's not one that rules overall. The key is if you're looking to lose fat at the end of the day, the main thing that matters is achieving a calorie deficit where you're burning more calories than you're consuming. That's the end-all rule. You know when you see all these different groups and the studies? 
the one dagger here of the current one keto is okay there's literally nothing substantiating that using the keto diet compared to another diet with an equal amount of calories in a calorie deficit has any greater fat loss people mm-hmm. get that perception because they look flat they're not holding water they have this massive drop up front but in the long run actual fat loss there's no difference as long right. as there's no calorie deficit and there are key factors is, you know, controlling insulin levels, in my opinion, can have a better factor, you know, don't have your insulin levels spike throughout the day, keep your cortisol levels down. There's other things that play there um, from just general health standpoint, sir, if you're coincidentally, oh, I, I started eating a vegan diet and I felt better with digestion. Well, maybe because you're consuming more fiber, you weren't getting enough before. That doesn't mean that you can't be eating meat. That doesn't mean the vegan diet's superior. It just means you're getting more fiber or getting more vitamins or minerals, so on and so forth. If you're eating garbage, like say, oh, I was eating, and here's the thing that it was, I wish I could remember what sh- documentary it was. It's another bullshit one, but basically he's like, oh, oh, hold on. It was, um, it was about the fucking paleo diet and the people, I said, I started doing infantry macros and I saw faster results than ever. But the Yotha story, they weren't counting calories. And yeah. I was eating, they literally said, I was eating sweet potatoes and handfuls of almonds and coconut and whole eggs and red meats. And they're listing all these calorie dense foods and they didn't fucking track how much you're eating. They thought inherently just the diet itself would consumed would be the answer. Mm-hmm. But then I start to infantry macros. I can eat pizza, I can eat pasta, I can eat ice cream, and I lost weight. Congrats, you you changed that you're fucking counting calories. It has nothing to do with the diet itself, right. is that you're actually tracking your macros and they use that as support that oh if it's your macros is a superior diet like what mm-hmm. the fuck but yeah. there's no correlation at all and, you know the fat loss when it comes to fat loss or weight loss that's where a majority of these myths come to fruition i mean we, we just talked about fad diets another one is uh fasted cardio burns fat quicker or intermittent fasting burns fat quicker another two two very very big myths it's not there's no substantial factual evidence saying that Doing fasted cardio in the morning, you're gonna you're gonna burn more body fat because then your body just switches what it uses for fuel. I mean, it's it, and basically after you start eating after the fact, it starts to store that a little bit more. So, Drew, you actually, I don't know if we we haven't talked a ton about intermittent fasting on this, and that could be a whole other episode for itself. We we talked some on it, but not a lot. But this whole IF phase that we're going through now, in terms of like resetting certain things in the body, maybe there's some benefits there. But IF intermittent fasting or fasting in general. If you're still consuming the same amount of calories per day but in a smaller window, you're not putting yourself in a caloric deficit, so therefore you're not going to be losing weight, correct? Correct. I think that intermittent fasting in general is the most overstated fucking things ever. If you need that little window to somehow make it so you can't physically eat bullshit throughout the day, like, hey, I got my calories I need to eat. You're eating where you're supposed to eat in that window. You're not probably having as much time in between to be hungry and eat shit that's on your diet. It'll help you maintain a caloric deficit. The part that people try to get fucking smart with me here, I'm like, you know what? I'm a science guy too. Autophagy. I'm like, autophagy, 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 autophagy. I'm like, fucking Christ. Do you even know what autophagy means? It's not a fucking coffee at Starbucks. Autophagy is basically the turnover of like cells, basically your cell regeneration. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, it's been shown that in studies when you fast, it increases autophagy. I'm like, hey, you know what also fucking increases autophagy? Living. Your body is always fucking evolving. The cells are always turning over. Um... I mean, good God, people try to take these little super scientific sounding things and make it sound like, oh, it increases autophagy. I'm like, huh, well, you know what? I'll use a fancy word here. You have the reduction of adipose tissue results in increased insulin sensitivity. Right. In other words, when you lose fat, your body is more responsive to insulin. Therefore, it's more likely to burn body fat and burn the calories you ingest rather than store them as fat. It's taking something super scientific and making it something that it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's once again, it's very overstated. Right. It can be a tool, a tool in the toolbox, but once again, it is not the end all. 
Let's talk about sodium. I do like this one because I am okay. a proponent of actually adding sodium to my pre-workouts before I go to the gym because I know how much salt basically our body depletes during a hard workout a lot. Like literally, there's a, it's a funny thing. Like if you ever talk to a cyclist, somebody who rides long bike rides, like they keep salt packets with them for a reason. Um, but there's this this whole concept that sodium is bad for you, Drew. And I think maybe uh, in like large amounts, maybe if you're eating just a bunch of like deep fried French fries drenched in salt and okay. But in general, sodium is actually good for you. And there's so many benefits to actually having adequate amounts of sodium in your system. The thing is people, I don't know why, and they think magically when they come to me with like their 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 fat loss idea, oh, I, hey, I'm having trouble losing weight. They always feel the need that, oh, I'm eating this and even this, and I'm not using seasoning on anything, no seasons and no sauces. Like they think that for some reason, like eating unhealthy or that they're going to interfere with fat loss includes like avoiding any form of fucking sodium. Mm-hmm. Oh, understand something there's the electrolytes in the body salt potassium magnesium calcium all of those minerals help with muscle function they help with control regulating blood volume uh cell volume so and so forth carrying water in and out of cells they help with all these processes as an athlete you need to have of course sodium in your diet your performance is going to be better it's going to help with muscle contractility you're also going to help increase blood volume blood flow that's why it's amazing for pumps it helps increase your blood volume okay the thing that you need to keep in mind unless you have once again a pre-existing condition such as hypertension so on mm-hmm. so forth or sensitivity to salt it's not a big deal you're okay to salt your foods even if it's quote unquote not Himalayan sea salt you'll be okay. There is some benefits to Himalayan sea salt or sea salt. They have a higher natural occurring mineral content versus like a manufactured salt with like say whatever, like table salt. I do err for the Himalayan or for the sea salt over it because you get some added benefits and trace mineral content. But the thing is too, you don't need to avoid salt. If you ha- Here's the thing too, even if you adapt to whatever level it is, if you're eating two grams of sodium a day, hell I've seen like four grams a day, that's not because I make you retain water either. If you're consistently eating these levels, your body adapts to it. It says a baseline for where your salt intake is. The times you may have those freakouts or your body retains water, you feel bloated, puffy, so on and so forth from salt, is you have these large influxes of salt. Like say, okay, I'm not used to eating this. I'm gonna go out and have sushi with a shit ton of soy sauce, the fried stuff with it, and we had X, Y, and Z with all these large influxes. Oh, and teriyaki with it. These huge spikes of salt. Yeah, that's going to have a temporary effect. You're going to draw water in. You're going to hold it. But if you're consistently eating these higher amounts of sodium over time, your body will adapt to it, and it'll be the new baseline. Yeah. Okay. So once again, there's two different factors: um, your heart pressure, heart health in general. If you have a pre-existing condition, keep an eye on that. Your renal function. But aside from that, if you have a condition, salt's not a big deal. It's awesome, and I agree with Ryan on this. I take uh, I take two grams pre-workout of pink Himalayan salt, which is a lot, but I, I like it. And Drew mentioned a couple of the benefits there. It does make you hold a little bit more water, so you do you do get a fuller pump. You actually have more longer muscular endurance. Like my workout sessions are better because of it. It's actually noticeable. So like a lot of people will talk about stims, how they can notice stims. I notice when I take salt versus not salt in a pre-workout, like a difference in that actual quality of a workout. So um, I'm a huge, and the, the reason why you don't see higher amounts of pink Himalayan in say a pump or a pre-workout is because it tastes like shit. It's salt, right? Like you still got to make a good tasting product. So if you look at a product, you'll see like 200 milligrams of salt, maybe. Um, there's a reason why it's so low. Like they want to give you some slight benefit, but it's can't you can't flavor salt worth a shit. Uh, so it is a very very tough one. Um, Drew, the uh, people always will say, "Well, I got stubborn body fat, and the only way to get rid of it is to increase my cardio." And we hear it all the time. People are like, "Less weightlifting, more cardio." That's how I'm going to get abs. That is how I'm going to get in shape, tone. 
That might be one of the biggest fucking myths on the entire. Now, yeah, adequate amounts of cardio are is good. Like Drew knows better than anybody. Like during contest prep, you're doing a shit ton of cardio at the end, most likely. Uh, but generally, like just increasing your overall cardio and, and decreasing back on weight training um, is not the key to success. Agreed. I mean, the main thing is, thing is super simple here. You need to keep training. It's going to help you retain that muscle mass, especially when you're going to caloric deficit. If you maintain and keep heavier training and just give the spice stimulus to keep that muscle, in theory, it's going to have better result than cutting back on increasing cardio. Because guess what? Weight training burns cardio as well. Do you need cardio to lose fat? In my opinion, most people, yes. Because if you maintain the intensity of your weight training, but then you increase your calorie expenditure from cardio, you can keep your diet about the same. Right. Here's the thing. People need to realize this. You don't want to burn the candle at both ends. Think of this candle. Okay, one end you light it, you have the amount of cardio you're doing. The other end you light, say that's the amount of calories you're currently eating and you're burning away in calorie deficit. The problem people get into is they start increasing their cardio. Say like, okay, out the gate, I'm going to do um, no cardio, go start doing 45 minutes a day and everything, I'm going to say cut 500 calories a day from how many calories I'm eating. Okay, here's the thing. Over time, your body's going to adapt to how much cardio you're doing and your caloric intake. If it plateaus, either A, you're going to have to increase the amount of cardio you're doing, or B, decrease the amount of calories you're, in, you're, you're intaking. Over time, those variables have to continue to change. If you start out with a huge amount of cardio and a huge caloric deficit, at some point you burn the candle at both ends, you're going to wind up doing hours of cardio and eating fucking nothing. That's right. not good for long-term metabolic health. That's not good for uh, maintaining muscle. That's not good for not being a grumpy fuck because you're starved to death and doing a lot of cardio. And also, you're just going to be beating living piss out of your body. The problem people get into and say things like contest prep over time, they're not recovering because they're just doing tons and tons and tons of cardio. Their legs are flat, beat up, so on and so forth. So I don't think it's a, ne it's a necessary evil in some fat loss. But then again, don't underestimate its role as a tool, among other things, mm -hmm. caloric manipulation and weight training. Let's talk about one that our buddy Max would love, love to, he should be on this once in a while and talk about this one. But you hear people all the time in our group or even out there be like, how do I train my lower pecs? How do I get my lower pecs or my upper pecs or my inner pecs bigger? Like, okay, first off, the myth is there's no lower pec, all right? Your pec is your fucking pec. Um, yep. So, and I know this drives Max nuts because he's the one that likes to comment all the time being like, dude, there's no fucking lower pec. So, um, yep. the, the anatomy physiology of the, the human chest is pretty simple. I mean, it's complex, but simple, but there's no, like, and we have another topic on this too, about, about spot targeting for fat loss, but like basically spot targeting for muscle gain or muscle grow, growth or hypertrophy. Eh, what do you think, Drew? I don't, once again, I think I agree with hundred percent. So it's like, Oh, I'm training my upper abs today. I'm training my lower <laughs> abs today. Yeah. Uh, my upper pecs, my lower pecs, my uh, inner and outer head and my bicep, my inner and outer quads or my quad sweep. I'll admit I've, I've once caught myself saying, Oh, for bringing up quad sweeps like this. I'm like, yeah, you can't necessarily target just your quad sweeps. I will say though, that in a, a part two is get down a rabbit hole. Sometimes the biggest stimulations for those muscle may not be things you quote unquote necessarily feel. There's certain things you can do to help bring those pieces out and, of course, you know, encourage that to activate more. But like, oh, I'm only working my quad sweeps today. I'm only working my upper chest. I'm only doing this. No, that's very overstated. It may feel like that. But in general, in most cases, that is not the case. It's just a matter of smarter my muscle connection and working the muscle. So, yeah, he's spot on. And anytime somebody posts that, I'm just waiting for him to comment. It's, it's awesome. What about spot reducing fat, man? I got I got this stubborn belly fat, or I got this side love handle fat. I want like what can I, Drew? Drew, I need your help, man. I got I got fatty nipples. I got fatty lower love handles. Like what what in the world can I do to get rid of that? 
I'll agree with you. So you can't really spot reduce fat except for maybe this one small piece that I'm going to delve into that in a second here. But in general, you're thinking it this way. Body fat on your body is like snow. When it snows outside, when it melts, the areas that have the most fat take the longest to melt away. The areas with less snow, they may rear their head a lot sooner. You may see more definition. So if you have a lot of fat in your stomach, lower back, wherever it may be, that's going to be the areas that take the longest to go away because your body loses fat from everywhere. You can't spot reduce body fat. There are certain things. If you get to a certain amount of leanness, um, through say your core in contest prep, I am a believer in using something like burn with theophylline and other things like that to help tighten up the skin and draw out water. And that can help it appear tighter and maintain a tighter look in combination with, of course, working on vacuuming, working on just keeping your core more activated and controlling it is a big key. You don't have a gut on stage. And there are certain pathways, interestingly, that if you can mix it called, uh, say, there used to be a um, cleanse home or vasoclen, where you mix clenbuterol with a topical carrier that helps increase the, uh, well, helps the clenbuterol absorb into those areas. But once again, it's still going to go systemic. So even if it absorbs in an area, it's not only going to act on your, on, your, on your core. It's not only going to act on your lower back. To a degree, I believe that, yeah, a little bit of spot. I don't know, fat loss or tightening is more of the key word there. But in general, yeah, you cannot spot reduce body fat. I mean, that's where waist trimmers came in, right? Like that's how they exactly. they got so popular. It's like, hey, you can burn more belly fat if by wearing this fucking thing. What, what Here's the thing. I, I don't think it's so much um, what I just mentioned there is more of a, like a sight enhancement. Yeah. But the thing is, is the more so spot reduction is, oh, I want to do more crunches because it'll help me lose my belly fat. Or mm -hmm. oh, I want to do more lateral raises because it'll make my fucking chicken wings less flappy. That's the issue I have more with body fat spot reduction. Yeah. Well, on that note, I love the con you and I have you and I have posted this very similar thing before. We both have six pack abs, and that's not to like brag, but we both do not work core directly. Like I don't, I don't dedicate a day to abs. I don't do fucking body levers. I don't do uh, leg raises. I don't do any of that shit. I haven't done that shit in five years, uh, and I am able to maintain a six pack just fine. So this whole myth of to get a six-pack, or if you want summer abs, you need to do a bunch of crunches. You need to do a bunch of core work. That's a fucking myth, too. Now, now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying doing core work is wrong. There is a benefit to having a strong fucking core. But to get abs, you don't need to do core work. And the reason being, like, your core should be activated on literally, literally every fucking thing you do. Even a seated calf raise, you should be activating your fucking core. So I, I don't understand... And I, I get it. I, I get. It. I do understand because they're not educated. But people being like, you got to do about 100 crunches a day and your abs will pop in. Well, when they start popping in, it's because you're strengthening the core. They're starting to become a little bit bigger. But it, it comes down to body fat reduction to really get your abs to pop. It does. Abs are made in the kitchen. That's an old saying. I didn't come up with that myself. It's around forever. But it's true. Most of your contest prep or even getting your abs to come out is going to be in relation to losing body fat. If you build up your core a little bit, thicken those muscles, they may, quote unquote, pop a little bit more. It can make them appear a little more visibly, um, even at higher body fat. There is some truth to that. But it's the same thing. And uh, once again, we made the exceptions to the rule. I think in most cases, eh. You don't necessarily need to do a ton of core training. I personally like to throw in core maybe once or twice a week in my prep. And it isn't more so to, oh, I'm going to have my abs pop more. It's more so because I want to have a better mind-muscle connection with my core. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, decline crunches on the uh, – 
incline bench right there, kind of basically focusing on bringing my core to my belly button. In other words, a forced vacuum, just a little bit of endurance training there to be able to hold that and I just get those abs to fire a little bit more so I can feel it. And then I go pose, but it's not so, oh, I'm going to shred my core up doing a bunch of core work. Mm -hmm. So it's just an approach. You know, you're not going to lay on the floor, do 100 crunches every single day and all of a sudden magically have abs. It's not how that works. What about the calves? Calves is another one, right? Like people who has consistently worked their calves with calf raises and different variations, the donkey presses. And uh, uh, first, I, I, I'm not going to say i'm a 100 percent proponent of this but you really are gifted calves from your parents and from your family in terms of genetics i mean yes to an extent like there's two different muscles within the calf there's different ways you can target them um before you may have heard say before you can't really like target the upper and lower chest well there technically is two calf muscles i mean so they're you know whether or not your legs are flexed versus uh bent can target the muscles differently during an exercise but i mean either you kind of have them Oh, you, you, you don't. And I like to use uh, an example like Aaron Singerman from Redcon did. Jill Bennett's, which is hypertrophy coach, did like a 12-week program to grow his calves. And I think his calves grew by like an inch. But I also think Aaron took the measurement when he was pumped up. So, uh, And I know Aaron's not going to listen to this, but um, it, it's tough, man. I mean, if you don't have calves, I'm sorry. You're probably never going to have them unless you go pay one of the best surgeons in the world to actually physically put calf implants in you. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Aaron Singerman here. I grew my calves a half inch. It's bigger than Ryan's dick. If you're <laughs> click below. I know. I have a very impressive Aaron voice. Hey, Aaron, hope you're listening. What's up, buddy? Not How bad. You know, man? And not I'm to mention, he would, he would run a digital campaign like that, and he'd make a ton of money off it. Dude's fucking a genius. Oh, he'd kill me on my cell phone. He has these little clever ad campaigns. I promise this will come full circle very quickly. He'll call you with an unknown number and leave a voicemail. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron Singerman. Sorry I missed you. <laughs> We'll give you a free deal at Redcon. 20 bucks gets you a free hoodie and a hand job. Sign up now. <laughs> so, with pretty, that said, pretty, so, yeah, it's, it's not bad. The, yeah, you're welcome. I have, I've got poker face, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sound that people are going to listen to that. Like, what the fuck do you guys talk about? <laughs> yeah. You can grow your calves. The thing is, is intelligently training them. I was one of those assholes blessed with calves. I trained them maybe once a week. But I train them hard and intelligently. You take out the bounce. You don't want to have any of the calcaneal tendon taking that load, just bouncing off of it. You want a full stretch and a full hard squeeze. Mind muscle connection actually worth the calves. They're a bitch to work because your body is made for efficiency. Unbeknownst to known, my first love, okay, fourth, because I loved architecture and computer <laughs> drafting and some other like very nerdy shit was biomechanics. Think of this way, your body is meant for efficiency. It's meant for walking. The body's meant to absorb force to have you efficiently stride. It's meant to not fatigue because your body wants to be able to move when it needs to move, okay? So to purposely target those calves and train them in a way that overloads them to encourage stimulus of them growing, it does take a little bit more. I'm not telling you to go do a billion fucking reps. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is do your sets. You know, I prefer sets of anywhere from 12 to 15 for my calves, three to four sets, that's it. Full stretch, full contraction. Standing calf raises, donkey calf raises, seated calf raises. Keep it simple. You don't have to turn your toes four different directions. You have to stand sideways. You have to single leg. Just do full quality reps. And I am a firm believer that if you target them over time, this any other muscle, they will grow. You just have to train them intelligently and not try to burn them to the ground. That's not how they work. So many people do calf raises so quick. I mean, they get 10 reps out in like two seconds. Take your time. Like Drew said, get that full stretch up and down. Pause at the bottom. Pause at the top. Feel it. Um, but it, yeah, still then, like, I mean, you can, he mentioned you can grow them slightly, but you're not going to get, like, if you look at Drew's calves or my calves, we both were blessed with great calves, and, and I don't train mine either um, very often. But you're just not going to get that. And, and, and like, uh, we'll look you in the eyes and say, like, you're, that's never going to be attainable, but you can grow some, 
but there's at some point you're kind of fucked. Um, so make up for, and, and that's just the, the truth. I mean, if, if somebody wants to prove me wrong, they definitely can. I will retract that statement. I've never seen somebody with skinny fucking calves before ever get large ass calves by just training them every single day, um, or, or whatever they might end up doing. Um, I'm not sure if this is a myth, Drew, but it's a, it's a common perception that people go into the gym on chest day, international chest day, and they immediately walk over to the bench press, thinking it's like the number one compound movement for building a bigger chest. I, I personally prefer, and I, it, I, it's a better lift overall, is the dumbbell chest press versus the barbell chest press. So many people will go to the barbell and think, like, this is the end-all, be-all. But in all honesty, like, the benefit of dumbbell, barbell, or dumbbell chest press versus barbell chest press in terms of, like, definition growing your chest is so much better than the barbell bench press i'm not gonna people go to war here i don't i don't even fucking care i haven't barbell back squatted in two years um i'll incorporate front squats Mm. on occasion but same thing with doing barbell bench press or barbell squat there's not an end all quote unquote best exercise oh you have to bench press to get a big chest you have to barbell squat to get big legs check on my ig see my stage picks if you think i have small legs or a small chest then hey Call me out on it. Fuck you. I don't really care. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. I've made substantial improvements. I know many people that train with me as well that have them grow. It's once you come down to muscle stimulus. It's a tool in the toolbox. In terms of a bench press, okay, me being, once again, pissing in your fucking Cheerios, one of the worst movements for your shoulders, long-term health, is a barbell bench press, okay? Just like Ryan, I personally prefer to use dumbbells for flat dumbbell bench, incline dumbbell bench. I'm not a big fan of decline. I just never do them, really. I'm a big fan of hammer strength machines or prime machines for loading the muscle through different points of motion. The one thing I will say to barbell bench press is compared to, say, a dumbbell, you're able to load a lot more weight on there because you have both muscles active for shoulder stabilization. So in theory, you can put more load on the muscle over time. But in my opinion, there's a better mind-muscle connection, better shoulder health long-term from doing things like your bar- dumbbell bench press over barbell. It's, it's an ego-driven again, lift. It's, it's, an, it's an ego-driven lift, I personally think. I mean, it's used in uh, like powerlifting competitions, right? So like, um, if you're a powerlifter, then sure, you have to do it. But literally, Drew just made my point true. You can put more weight on the bar. What's your max bench press? I don't fucking care what my max bench press is. I don't PR on bench press because I don't, it, it's not important to me. And it really shouldn't be important to you either unless you want to go around showing how big your dick size is to people. And even then, it's, it's, to me, it's like, okay, cool. You bench pressed 425. All right. What do you want me to do with that? I would rather, if you could deadlift 650 or something, like, to me, that's impressive. Benching 325, 350, 375, okay, it's impressive, but, like, I don't get my rocks off for it. I don't really care. I mean, here's the thing. You need to have a big squat, big deadlift, big bench. Most people generally don't fucking care. In general, here's the thing. People are like, oh, how much you bench, bro? I'm like... I have no fucking idea. Yeah. The last time I maxed on bench press, I did 425 for one, and that was five years ago. I can rep the 160-pound dumbbells for sets of 8 to 10 on flat dumbbell press. I don't know. There you go. Do the math. 300 pounds. I'm a bitch. Whatever. Yeah. Most people ask the question, do they really know what a good bench press is? If you want to know the fucking equations in my head, like, oh, man, yeah, I put up 350. I'm like, what? You weigh, you weigh 225. That's not really that impressive. Yeah, it's not that just, you know, in my head, There's a guys that weigh 230 pounds that can bench press six or 700 pounds. Yeah, that's that's fucking impressive. That's like, cool. The fuck does it matter if you, if once again they say to the bodybuilder you're not gonna win a, or win or lose a show by who can bench press the most nobody fucking cares it's how your chest is developed same with you bro yeah or at the gym all the ones ever you know whether you're you know ladies or you know this 2019 the dudes out there that like how dudes chest look you think they care how much you can bench press like oh my god it's impressive you can bench press through 15 like oh no those are some nice fucking pecs it's irrelevant it's fucking irrelevant 
Smith Machine. All right, so I, I just want to talk about the Smith Machine because I think it's interesting. It's, it's a debatable piece of equipment that you find in literally every gym. Um, there are people against it, and I was one of those people for a while. I thought, like, you know, why the fuck would you use a Smith Machine? It's, it's got it. I think there are actually ethical uses of the Smith Machine on various things that you can do. Um, what, do I prefer it over other things? No, but I, I'm not going to say that it's – some people will say the Smith Machine is worthless. I don't think it's completely worthless. Um, I think it's selective to help you – achieve that mind muscle connection with certain lists like bulgarian split squats for instance on a smith machine it can it forces you to stand more upright so you can maybe target more of your hamstrings versus your quads so i think i don't think the smith machine is completely worthless i think it has some good applications the thing is too it's not my first choice on anything aside from maybe a very targeted lift it's amazing if you don't have like a standing calf raise machine you can put a box you can make a calf raise machine or if you don't have a vertical leg press and you want to use that movement you can go underneath that uses a vertical leg press on the floor and it gets a bad rap because people will use it for things like maximum pressing like bench pressing repetitive motion or squatting so on and so forth in that case it can put your body in a position where it's not preferable for long-term joint health because you're moving at a fixed plane straight up and down or a slight angle mm-hmm. it may not agree with your body's biomechanics and cause some damage but there's some synthesis out there that have the free moving pieces on it and i just i just think they feel fucking awkward they do to be I mean, honest. and they're all, they're, they're all cool. different a little bit too some some have more like free movement into them where they almost seem yeah. more natural um and there are some that are stiff as a fucking board so it really just depends on like what you're looking for in a smith machine um as we, as we look to wrap up this show is there is there a big myth out there drew that we haven't talked about that you want to like debunk right now um because I mean, we, we we could like i said we could keep going i mean i have a hundred of them but uh, a lot of the ones that i talked about were the ones that i get a lot of questions on quite a bit um and i'm sure there's a shit ton of myths about sports nutritional supplements that we didn't talk about and we could talk about that privately through dms on our facebook channel or our, our instagram channels but anything pressing in your head right now you're like we didn't talk about this and i need to get i need to voice my opinion bro right now this is like sitting down with with your fucking significant other and said all right i want you to tell me the things that annoy you the most and the yeah, this is a perfect opportunity you won't get mad you can't think of what to say because there's so much shit there's a ton it's one thing and this, is, this has been a breeze of 35 minutes with that being said um fuck in terms of regarding supplements i don't think there's quote unquote one best pre-workout there's not one best protein there's not one best training program there's not right. one best diet there's not one best approach to a contest prep there's not one best time to do cardio there's not one best steroid there's not one best anything fuck man the beauty of this industry is that uh, it's grown there's a lot of exposures a lot of different ideas a lot of different things being tested and there's a lot of different methods the key is no matter what is pre hell i'll, I'll summarize even even shorter whether it be supplements, whether it be training program, whether it be diet, food selection, whatever it is, there's more than one way to achieve your goals. The key is finding an intelligent way that works for you, you can do consistently, and that yields results because you can stick with it and execute it at a high level. In my opinion, that is the best approach for anybody. There's tons of myths out there. We covered the main ones. Um, shit. I, I, once again, I'm, I'm so like – Yeah. I mean – I think it was, and things after this episode we get talked about people coming in the store or you're gonna text me you're gonna text yes. me this episode dude we should talk about this and this we'll cover one last myth right now and it's not it's not a myth actually it's a fact if you don't take a picture for the gram it didn't happen if you didn't take a picture throw it on the instagram at the gym you didn't work out that day that's not a myth drew that's a fucking fact in 2019 so <laughs> if you're out there listening to this and you're at the gym right now snap a picture post it to the instagram then you actually went to the gym today because drew and i are we post more pictures than we probably should. But guess what? We're, we're two jacked behemoth men. And he's a gorilla and I'm a lion. And we can do what we want. And if you don't like it, 
you can fuck off. How about that? <laughs> uh, but no, for real, we appreciate everybody listening to this episode and all the episodes that we've come out with so far. If there's a topic that is just grinding at you, you want us to discuss, make sure you DM, DM us on our Instagram channels, Facebook. We uh, Make sure you download and stream this podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and you can watch it over at YouTube as well. Uh, but we are glad to accept topics. We might even do like a Q&A. We might even do like a, a, an IG or a Facebook Live someday because we get questions all the time off the beaten path that we sometimes forget to answer on this show. But until next time, Drewski Peters looking good. If, if, uh, cheap plug for Drew. If, if you haven't, if you're not following Drew, follow him. There's a cool video that Dragon Farmer just did on him um, of, of him coming on board. Brands normally don't do this. They're pulling back the curtain and showing you who their who their scientist is, and it happens to be this good looking fella on the screen. It's really cool. Show him some support. Show some support for the guys over at Dragon Farmer too, because honestly, I'll, I'll be full candidly. I've been in this industry a long time. I had no fucking clue who Dragon Farmer was until you told me you were going there. Now I know them. I've tried their products. They're good, and they're only going to get better because of this man, Drew Peters. Appreciate it, brother.